Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. I'm going to start off today with a little bit of trivia. Did you know, oh, well, no, no, let me start again. Who is the owner of your credit card? I'm sure most of you have uh, some kind of credit card. Who is the owner of that credit card? Well, the answer is it's not you. The credit cards that I have, I am not the owner of those credit cards. The owner is actually the bank. Same goes with your passport, our passports. Our respective governments are the owners of those passports. We as the passport hold, we are the passport holder, that's why we are described as the holder. We are given um, the permission to use that, those passports as a document of proof of identity and proof of citizenship uh, and permission to cross borders and for other you know, power authorities to accept us um, or not. We are not the owners of those um, documents. Right? So while we can say uh, colloquially that it is my, my credit card, my passport, it actually does not give us the legal entitlement to do whatever we want with those things, our credit cards and passports. And uh, we can say, my God, but, uh, and I'm sure, you know, most, I don't think anyone would actually think or dare say, th mean this, but it doesn't mean that God is mine to control. But this kind of attitude can peek out, seep out in our attitudes sometimes. So let's read the passage and then we'll continue. Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 27. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin, and he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses and the account of the burning bush how God said to him, 
I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. Now in this passage, you see Pharisees, Herodians, and Sadducees come to Jesus with two different questions, two hypothetical situations, questions and seeking answers. And you can, you know, kind of imagine, are they, you know, praying, right? Praying to God, looking for answers. And, um, you know, this entire section, you can just imagine Jesus's frustration and him thinking, you're missing the point you are just not getting it, right? You can just imagine Jesus thinking that. And just Jesus is thinking, you see these thousands of people around me. They flock to me, they come to me, and they look for healing there. They seek healing and they receive it. Miraculous physical healing is, you know, happening right in front of your eyes. Not just that, but people um, who are... Be- People are being restored, their souls who are, that was once full of sin and hopelessness is being restored and revived. And you come to me with hypothetical situations, trying to trap me into saying something that is unscriptural or illegal, right? Are you serious? You come to me with hypothetical situations, a convoluted example where a woman has to marry seven brothers one after another because they all die without having children and then, you know, whose wife is it in, you know, in the afterlife? Are you serious? Like, really, this is what you will want to ask him about, right? You see all these things around me and this is your question? Seriously. And Jesus says, are you not in error? Double negative, really confusing, but are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? You who are the teachers of the law, you who are the teachers of the scriptures, are you not in error? You're wrong because you do not know, is it because you don't know the scriptures or because you do not know the power of God? It's actually both, right? They have no idea. You are badly mistaken, Jesus says, right? You are missing the point. You just don't get it. And I was thinking of another side example, right? Just kind of for myself, uh, for us maybe. But if you were to be uh, walking down the beach, say, and then you find, you see something shiny in the sand, you pick it up, it happens to be a lamp that's golden, right? And so it's kind of dirty. So you rub it to clean it up a little bit and then poof, smoke everywhere. And out comes a genie. And the genie says, you know, I will grant you three wishes, whatever your heart desires, and so forth. Now, if you have the genie who suddenly came out of a lamp that wants to give you, grant you three wishes, are you going to stand there arguing about, you know, please explain to me, are you real? Like, did you just come out of that, that lamp? How is it that you are able to live in that lamp? How long were you in that lamp for? Are you going to be standing there asking these kind of questions? Or are you going to ask for those three wishes? Right? It's a silly example to be sure, but it is also, also to show how ridiculous the religious leaders were being in missing the point. The religious leaders go to Jesus with questions and they do not get their answer the answer that they were hoping for because they do not ask the right questions. Now, there are some people, some people would say, especially maybe teachers, that there, are, there is no such thing as a wrong question, but there are definitely bad questions, right? I've you know, taught some English and there are definitely some bad questions, you know, even without teaching, but um, I have a five-year-old son and um, he has actually asked this, but imagine if he was uh, to ask to have ice cream at 9 p.m. at night after he's brushed his teeth, 
after he's taken his bath and as I'm waiting for him to fall asleep, if he was to suddenly, you know, Daddy, can I have some ice cream? I am not even going to answer that question with a no. I would just be like, Nathaniel, be quiet. Don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. That kind of question does not even deserve an answer. And this is kind of what the religious leaders were doing. They were asking their questions for their own gain, to maneuver Jesus, to control God to their satisfaction. And let's be honest, we do this today as well, when we pray according to our desires. James 4, 2-3 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own on your pleasures. This passage may not be may not seem like a passage on prayer, but it speaks to how we can approach God sinfully if we are not careful. There is a wrong way to pray. James 4 shows us there is a wrong way to approach God. We do it when we go to God to try and appease ourselves, like the rich young man who asked Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" and the Bible says, wishing to justify himself. We can easily pray conditional prayers where we try to kind of blackmail God or entice God to our way of understanding. We try to test and push God to see how far we can go. God is your God, not your God, if you get my meaning. When we stand in front of a genie, you know, you're not going to spend one wish, you know, asking for $100 to test whether it's going to work or not. When you stand before the revelation of God uh, revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ, you dive in. You accept the fullness of that salvation. You don't test God. You don't try and maneuver God. You receive Him wholeheartedly. And I hope that that will be us all today. So what do we need to do today? The first is that we need discernment to understand even our own motives and heart as we approach God, as we come to God with our petitions, with some of the prayers that we've been praying for a while now, possibly. And here, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He grants discernment to those who ask. And as we seek His presence and fullness to fill us first and foremost, everything else will come. The Holy Spirit will help us to, to discern and to know even the lies within ourselves. And from there, uh, as the Holy Spirit gives us discernment, we need to let go. We may need to let go of some um, ownership uh, that we may be incorrectly clinging to. Ownership of my life, my God, my church, and my money, and many other things as well. I pray that we will all not miss the point but that we will understand what is at stake as we stand before God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who shows us the way, and your Holy Spirit, who gives us the power, the ability to walk that way, O oh Lord. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts, open our minds to see even the lies within ourselves, O oh Lord. Help us to not be like the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, who are so concerned with small things that we lose the big picture, that we lose our salvation, our God, our King. I pray that your Spirit would lead us, O oh Lord, 
to receive the fullness of you, fullness of your presence, of your spirit, of your life in us, so that we may live day by day, moment by moment, led by you and within your will. So as we come to you, knowing full that you will answer because we are within your will and your sovereignty, God. So we thank you for, your, for teaching us how to pray today, how to approach you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For a single soul, reaching a world as that pinging grows up, see you.